Jacob Sanderson, Billy Milestone, and your host, Thomas Tipple. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. Hey, 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 hey. It's another week. It's another live show. It's another live show with your boys. I'm your host with the most time on his hands. It's Thomas Tipple FF. All week, we have been giving you updates, giving you more and more information about what's coming in the future, and boy, do we have big, big news coming. And it starts with this one here. I gave you, uh, I posted a while ago. We're going to start with it right here. Next week, joining us right here is this man himself, Mr. Dave Kluge. I'm Dave Kluge with Football Guys and Fantasy Pros. You can find me next Friday, May 14th, on the Full Tilt Dynasty Show. Looking forward to it. And like the Chicago Bears were heroes for their uh, much maligned franchise, Dave Kluge is going to come swooping in here and talk some Chicago Bears football and what a draft they had. But before we get there, I'm obviously going to bring in my two compadres who help us get through a crazy week, a crazy first round live show that you guys have been nothing but amazing. You've been talking about it. You've been sending us messages, letting us know what's up. Can't wait for the next one. I, I Guess what? There's going to be more shows like that where we just have a slew of guests and we can't wait. I'm going to first bring in uh, our man soon to be graduating. He will miss next week's show, but the man is graduating and you just got to love it. Billy. Yo, yo, yo. Kenny Gainwell Memorial Tour has kicked off already. Be still what, my woeful heart. What a fun week after all that fighting to get him into the rankings. And uh, this is what happened. So I'm going to give the victory to the next man coming in who didn't want him on the rankings. It's a Mr. Travis etn himself ff underscore rtdb you can find these guys like i just mentioned that's jacob sanderson ff underscore rtdb and that's kenny gainwell memorial tour <laughs> big sexy himself that's big billy ff guys it's not big sexy ff <laughs> it should be big sexy ff so my guess is that's taken <laughs> probably, <laughs> honestly probably uh unfortunately what, what do you think the ff stands for in that one don't want to know. Uh, we are uh, big, sexy to... uh, foot fetish. <laughs> oh, that's three F's, but hey. that's fine. No ideas here. F's in the chat. F's in the chat. <laughs> so, uh, leading up to the draft, we did a count up with our rookie rankings, and after the draft, they look different. So, Jacob, you released your rankings on uh, the Twitter not that long ago, oh, uh, yeah. and you Love got some. Part. Got some interesting uh, replies and comments on the uh, Twitters. Also, uh, I just want to congratulate you for a victorious James Robinson victory lap <laughs> tour. It has been a fantastic week watching the um, uh, the Robinson Truthers just just take swing after swing, and you're just bobbing. You're Mayweathering them. Oh, and he just left-handed it out of the park. It was awesome. Good, smart, um, uh, 
Sorry, that private chat just really distracted me just now. Very good, smart, <laughs> and strong uh, uh, replies. That's what we do. We're not just hitting you with the obvious, but with the information to hopefully make it obvious to you. Uh, ETN all day. Robinson, yeet out the door. Guys, the week of rookie drafts is upon us. I've done five um billy i know you've gone through four jacob i don't know how many you're at at this point but probably enough i'm in i'm in the fifth i believe right now yeah 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 i think we're both in that one right yeah yeah so um we're doing the one that we're running together i mean geez it's people are just crazy for it you just released your cheat sheet correct i sure did i'm doing a uh rookie draft cheat sheet for fantasy intervention which is where you can find me on Tuesday nights hosting Dynasty Intervention with Shane and Chase. And so I'm doing our cheat sheet. We got the round one cheat sheet is out today. Uh, I'm breaking it into tiers based on the DLF ranking. So the, the, the rookie drafts that have taken place since the NFL draft, we're breaking it down tier by tier. Who's the best target? Who should you be fading? And what are the types of trades that you should be doing to get into the hot spots of those drafts to maximize value? We'll have the round two through four cheat sheet coming out on Monday. And of course, round one is there today. So if you got a rookie draft going on over the weekend, if you got a rookie draft going on next week, make sure to check that out on fantasyintervention.com. And it's pinned in my uh, Twitter page as well. Yeah, I got through I got through half of it in the time that I had. And, and man, I got to say, I am <laughs> looking forward to finishing it. Your articles are nothing short of lengthy, but worthwhile. It's I think they're fun. also girthy. Yeah. Oh, there's muchos girth. Mucho. Big girthy FF is the other one. <laughs> it's happy hour somewhere. Oh, I'm, actually, I'm out of coffee, so. Well, well played, sir. Yeah, uh, don't act like that was ever coffee. Straight whiskey. Okay, guys. Lots of stuff happening with drafts, but before we get into the rankings battle, which I know everyone's waiting to see what you guys are going to come up with. You're warming up, loosening the fingers. I like it. I want to talk about your favorite day one picks. We're going to go through that. Then we're going to briefly touch on our favorite day two picks, not necessarily just fantasy related, but they all do affect fantasy. And then our favorite day three picks we're going to touch on before we get into trends in rookie drafts that we're in right now that we just don't like. Um, Whatever you can add us, okay? Figure it out. I told you where we are. Do it. Do it. And then we are going to talk about players. Um, oh, geez. I just totally blanked just now reading. Uh, so we're going to go into our, our rankings after that. And boy, I cannot wait for that. So, Billy, I'm going to kick it off with you. Your favorite player, day one. What was the pick for you and why? No, I absolutely love this because we're obviously a fantasy show. We obviously love to talk running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, whatever. My favorite pick from round one, and it just fell into their laps, is Penny Sewell to the Detroit Lions. I think Mm -hmm. hands down, first off, amazing value. There was a time, you know, two, three months ago where there was talks of Penny Sewell being number two overall. And I think that was – Probably that could have very well been the case until this crazy arms race took over the NFL. But all of a sudden, Kyle Kyle Pitts, 
Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell all going ahead of him. Penny Sewell, one of the better offensive line prospects I that have come out in a very in one of the more recent periods of times, falls right into the Detroit Lions lap. Yeah. And it's the right way to rebuild a team. Detroit Lions are sitting on a QB contract that they just can't get rid of unless they want to play with a bunch of dudes they grab off the street, which they're that's basically what they've been doing the last couple of years, so why not? But with, with Penny Sewell sitting there, whatever quarterback they end up taking in the top three picks next year is going to be a very valuable uh, – is going to be Penny Sewell's best friend pretty much. He can sit there and defend him, keep an eye on him, and I, I think that's the right choice. They're going to be sitting there with the top three pick at best, maybe. I mean, Houston Texans are going to be probably number one. Cause... Talk about an arms race. Yeah. An arms race where you can go 2-15 and 15 between the Texans and the Lions. I, it's going to be a slow yes. arms race between Jared Goff <laughs> and Davis Mills. But Penny, either way, whatever quarterback is coming in is going to be able to sit behind Penny Sewell and just have a phenomenal game. They could have gone out and got a wide receiver who's going to waste their rookie year, gain airmail by Jared Goff. So why not build up in the trenches, bite off some kneecaps, and <laughs> build the team the right way? And that's okay. what they're doing. So I love that for the Lions. Is, love that, love that is that shots fired at Taylor and the Bengals? No, uh, yes, the right yes. way? Yes. yes, absolutely. Oh no, the, the, no, 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 guys. Okay, the Bengals definitely bit off a kneecap. They bit off their quarterbacks. Oh, <laughs> Taylor, gonna bite off other one you. if they don't do this. Taylor, report them, not me. Okay, I actually like to chase pit, uh, chase pick. Thank you. Uh, for me, obviously, and guys, I don't know if this might come as like a surprise to you, um, but I love the Bateman pick. Mm. Shocker! Shocker! Yeah, I was like, from the stream, I, stream where Bateman yeah. went off and you screamed fuck. Tom's, yeah, Tom so, is just such a objective analyst. He really feels <laughs> equally about all 32 teams. He has no preferences. He's just uh he's just sees the board and he calls it like he sees it. And that's what we love about you. Well, I mean, look, I talk a lot about the Ravens, but I'm also not blind. Okay. I at least I'm not Browns fans from 10 years ago who were still saying that Tim, Tim couch was ruined by management or by coaching. And he was a, a really good pick. Okay. I'm not delusional. So I like Bateman because it helps Jackson. I mean, I don't really need to say much more than that. Um, I was upset because I thought they were going to miss out on the pass rusher I wanted, but they just happened to take him like four picks later. So, I mean, it worked out in the end and I've warmed up to it. The guy is an alpha. Yeah. He shrunk. I don't care. The guy can ball. Uh, you're going to talk about, Another player I really love for them. It's just helping Lamar Jackson. And right now, that's all I care about because we got an absolute stud there at QB and he needed some help. And Duvernay and Prochet weren't it. They were not it. So it helped him out. I love the pick. I don't need to say much more than that. The guy's just a freak of nature. Jacob, your favorite day one pick. Yeah, well, I mean, un unlike Tom, I'm a paragon of objectivity. Uh, you can see it on the screen. So that's I picked the Lions only. pick, division rival. You know, uh, and I'm going to pick a player that went right off the board. I think it was two picks after my team picked. It was who someone I was hoping the Colts would select to replace Anthony Costanzo, and it's Christian Derrissaw. Mm -hmm. And 
this is like a combined thing. I'm pretty much in favor of all of the teams that drafted tackles the first round, except for the Raiders. So I was a big <laughs> fan of the Lions pick. I was a big fan of the Chargers pick, big fan of the Vikings pick. But I think the, the one that sets the Vikings pick apart the most is just the value they were able to get. They come up at 14. And I had Christian Derrissaw originally mocked at 13 to the Chargers because I thought Slater would be off the board by then. So I thought, you know, Christian Derrissaw would have been a perfectly reasonable pick at 14 overall. But the Vikings were able to trade back. They secured the second pick of the third round in a deal with the New York Jets. They trade back to 23. They still get Christian Derrissaw, who is exactly what they needed. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, this offensive line is coming together. They've had years of this offensive line being a liability for that offense, where they've had a really great running back, Dalvin Cook, an underrated running back or quarterback, and Kirk Cousins, and they've had really solid wide receivers with Thielen and Diggs and now Jefferson. And the offensive line has been what's held that offense back. No longer. They have Garrett Bradbury in there at center. They're returning all the rest of their starters, and then they're going to be able to add in uh, Christian Derrissaw, who's going to be a plug-and-play at left tackle or maybe at right tackle. And all of a sudden, this weakness is starting to become a strength. So I love what Minnesota did. And not only did they add Derrissaw, but they added that <coughs> 3.02 pick. And I love what they did with that because this is the way to continue to have uh, really solid and sustainable growth, right? You want to have these picks on quarterbacks to come in, be groomed, and essentially, they got one for free, right? They were able to yeah. add a position that, because that's the trade-off. Do we go and get something that's going to help our team now? Or do we go and take someone to keep ourselves sustainable moving forward? And they were able to get both. They got their biggest position of need covered. And then they were able to add a great pick that was Billy's favorite pick of day two. And they did it with that trade back. That's damn straight. The Vikings, I think, are one of the sneakier, really good drafts this year. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have been talking about how good the Lions did, how good uh, Baltimore is one I'm seeing a lot. But the Vikings are one of those teams who they set themselves up along the he's, offensive line. He's They're, also contractually obligated to say that, so I don't fire him. But carry on. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, wait, wait, the, carry on. We're talking about the Eagles? Oh, oh, oh. Where is he? Sell Miles Sanders. Oh, where, ow, my knee. Ow, where's ow, the hospital? Ow, my knee. Uh, Talk so, about biting kneecaps. Yeah. That's why he had to leave Detroit. Um, yeah. oh. <laughs> they didn't have any kneecaps to bite. They're all shattered. They were like, no, they looked at him. They're like, okay, we're going to bite someone's kneecap. Carry on. No, you can't bite mine, but you can have this brace. They're like, no, not good enough. We're going to get Jamar Jefferson. So anyway, <laughs> Kellen Mond. <laughs> uh, Kellen Mond, I thought, was reasonably the QB6 in this draft, which reasonably also could make him a QB3 or QB2 in a lot of other drafts. But Kellen Mond is a decently okay player. And I think he's someone who I know a little bit of a backhanded compliment, but I think he's the type of player who, if you let him play behind a seasoned quarterback who has spent a long time in the league, he can develop into a reasonably good quarterback. Yeah. And in that division, which is now going to get probably a top three quarterback from next year's draft, Justin Fields and Jordan Love, then obviously we need some other quarterback. I thought the Jordan Love joke was going to do better, but okay. Jordan Love's uh, not a joke. He's a franchise fucking quarterback. It hurts a little bit. Um, what so, up, Jeff? <laughs> so either way, the point with Kelly Mond is you're setting up a player for when Kirk Cousins inevitably is kicked off that team. So why not take a player who you can develop? And worst case scenario, he sucks. Yep. You, you're off for a year, and then you trade up some year, maybe move Adam Thielen to move up three spots in a first. And – 
grab whoever you want as a as a quarterback. He he's a developmental talent who can yeah. only help their team. It's a classic way of drafting and building your quarterback. I mean, that used to be the staple was you draft the young guy and you let him sit for a bit. Now, at least lately, the trend over the last eight to ten years have been draft a guy, throw him in there, Johnny Menzelum, let him run around. And if he's tough enough and can somewhat not go party too much and read a playbook once in a while, they can um, you know, stick around. But sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Not everyone even Patrick Mahomes sat for a year, right? I'm not calling Kellenmon Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you are. That's that's difficult. Thomas Tipple says Kellenmon is better than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a systems quarterback at me. So, um, I mean, it's a traditional way to do it, and I think you're right. I think it was a great place for him, a great spot. Cousins, I believe, has one more year left. Um, I think he, he has one, one more year left. One and then one additional. Okay, so he's got two yeah. two years left, and that – should be and Mon's young enough that when he comes in, he's not going to be a 25, 26 year old Whedon type quarterback when he's taking his first snap as a starter. So I think um, they have a good coaching staff, right? So yeah. I, I think is Kubiak's son calling the plays? Thought yeah. I heard that. Yeah, yeah okay. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite day two pick was Rondell Moore to the Cardinals. So far, okay. I don't like Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. I know Billy, you're you're anti Kingsbury from your time at years. Texas Tech. Yeah, totally understand. Uh, so far, he hasn't been able to do anything with that slot speed. You know, nothing from Kirk, nothing from Isabella. But I think Rondell Moore is a different animal. I think he's a better receiver than those two already. Like coming in, certainly better think, than Isabella. One hundred percent, obvious. Obviously, and look, Kirk, good enough receiver. I just don't know if it's the system there. They did bring in AJ Green. I think he plays like four games, and he gets Albert Pujols uh, off the roster. Also, respect to Albert Pujols, who got let go to uh, very abruptly. Great career, we love you for the baseball fans. Um, R.I.P. to Albert. But I think AJ Green's going to go down the same path, and Rondell Moore is going to take over. Um, the running backs, they didn't really add enough to make me fear targets. I think targets are there. The tight end, they didn't really address it. Rondell Moore is going to get a lot of opportunity. The Arizona defense is not great. Uh, they play in a good division. I think he was a great steal. I think they got him at pick 49. Just an absolute bomb of a pick. This is an absolute top-tier pick for a guy who probably could have made an argument for going in the first round. Honestly, uh, day two, Jacob, who do you like and why? Uh, real quick, Jacob, before you jump in, I do want to say we know when AJ Green is going down. Uh, we're going to know May 12th because that's when we're finding out when he p- plays the Detroit Lions. <laughs> oh my god, oh man, uh, he oh, yeah. already has no speed. Can we leave his knees? Take a shoulder, <laughs> like, yeah, I god. agree with you. <laughs> All right, Jacob, yeah. So my uh, like, I've been at war with Giants Twitter for much of yeah. the last two weeks <laughs> because they and they, they admit it like they freely admit that they thought Kadarius Tony was bad and then because Dave Gettleman took him they now think he's good because they're a bunch of brain dead zombies, um, you know. But I'm not. So because I I'm a I'm a person with my own brain I can acknowledge that the Giants did a really good thing 
trading back. Well, a pretty good thing. I think they should have just taken Justin Fields, but they did at least the next best thing in trading back. And then they added a wide receiver, punt returner. And then in the second <laughs> round, they went and grabbed one of my favorite players, and he was actually my favorite edge rusher in the class, Aziz Ojalari. So that was a second trade back in round two. I really, really loved that move for them. This is already a really strong defense. It's an especially strong secondary with James Bradbury, who's one of the best corners in the league. They added Adore Jackson, who I think is going to be a, a much better corner as a number two corner in that role in New York, especially with a lot of speedy wide receivers in the NFC East that he can keep up with. Adding a guy in Ojalari who was super, super productive in college, more productive, frankly, than, than the edge rushers that went in the first round. He was really sliding down the board because of medicals. And how many times have we seen this? where this player who didn't really have any reported medical concerns until like two days before the draft, all of a sudden something comes up and a bunch of teams panic. Turns out that guy's A-OK and he balls out in the league like we always expected him to. We see that happen every single year. I think Ojalari's a really strong pick. I had him graded out as a first rounder. And and I, I think that the Giants are really going to love that guy. Yeah, you can't argue with that, Tony, man. They did such a good job for like 25 minutes. And then... It was so bad Chef had to come back, right? Like Yeah, we had to we had to so right? bad. We had to we had to make sure that and of course it was Patriots fans who were reveling yeah. in it. But we had to make sure <laughs> Chef had to come back so we could console him on the pick. He brave faced it for like the first five minutes coming back and then he he conceded because you can't not. Day three picks. Jacob, I'm gonna start with you on this one. Who is your favorite day three pick? in the NFL. Um, so the day three pick, I mean, it's a little bit tougher, right? Because you're going down to day three. Most of these players aren't very good, but look, I'll, I'll, I'll keep some take lock going in day three. I thought Tylen Wallace and I'm wearing orange today. I thought Tylen Wallace was a really strong receiver in this class. Uh, he, as a contested catch wide receiver, he is one of the best in this class, especially, you know, after that very, very elite tier, like a Jamar chase, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith. He's also shown to be pretty explosive. I know he didn't test that way, but when you watch right. the tape, he has a lot of explosive plays on tape. So I think it's a really quality wide receiver. There's some like very weird medical stuff that I heard about him where he tore his ACL, but then his brother also tore his ACL. So they're worried that it's like a genetic gate in terms of how <laughs> they run. Look, maybe that stuff's real. I don't know. But in round four, like – in round four, if he tears his ACL tomorrow and he never plays another game in the NFL, you really didn't lose that much. Like the right. expectation of a round four pick is that you probably get nothing from them or maybe they're backups. The fact that they got a wide receiver who, you know, was talked about earlier in the process as probably a round two pick mm -hmm. reduced, you know, to the level of almost a round one pick who really slipped just because of a bad combine and some medicals, which – I've not proven, you know, necessarily very indicative of his actual wide receiver play. I'm all about this in round four. And specifically, their red zone offense in the past has been two plays. Well, two passing plays. It's been either throw to Mark Andrews, or it's been take the snap, run to the right, remove half of the field, and then hope that Marquise 2-2 Brown is able to somehow <laughs> beat double coverage when he's like five foot two. It's not a very effective play. Now they have an excellent contested catch wide receiver in Wallace. They have a great contested catch receiver in Bateman. And I think that this passing offense is going to be a lot more efficient, especially in the red zone with a guy like Wallace. 
I love the fact that the Ravens aren't drafting genetics anymore. They're not drafting these six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five wide receivers. Just say Boykin. You mean Boykin? I hate Miles Boykin so much. (laughs) And and they're actually drafting wide receivers. Yeah, I hated Boykin before everyone else hated. Yeah, he's terrible. Not true. Uh, (laughs) I so the minute there was speculation they were going Boykin, I hucked something at a wall, and I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that response, but they did it. And, um, yeah, that's what happened. And I just want to point out, uh, Andrew, um, who, uh, in the home league defended Boykin and talked about how he was going to break out. You you played yourself. Okay. No, it wasn't (laughs) going to happen. It was never going to happen. He was miles. Boykin is the fetch of the NFL. You're not going to make it happen. Nothing is fetch. It's just stop trying. Um, Billy, your favorite day three pick and why? Yeah, Uh, this one's pretty simple. Once again, I'm going back to good uh, old-fashioned Detroit Lions town. For once, I really, really, really like their draft. And it's Amon Ross St. Brown. They took took an outside wide receiver who can potentially look very, very good at the NFL level. They got him in the fourth, and they did it while using all their previous picks on positions of need. So they have a wide receiver who can fill an alpha role and sit next to Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman and kind of help Jared Goff on their way to a strong 3-14 and 14 season. Yeah. So all in all, I think it's a really good pick, and I think Amon Ross St. Brown has all the opportunity in the world, especially when they get Sam Howell or Keaton Slovis next year. He is going to be the best like so, in one league, uh, someone told me that he was going to be the second best receiver in this class, um, and uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes, yeah. I mean, Look, hey, we're, we're roasting Andrew, um, but Billy's praised two of the Lions' picks, so I think that that at least draws even on the end. We're we're, we're we're clear, and yeah. I mean, double he did, jeopardy. That means he, there's no jeopardy. He did lobby for Gainwell, so I yeah. mean. We can't all bat a thousand, but um, yeah, he's going to, I had someone in the league tell me that uh, St. Brown was going to be the second best receiver, third best receiver. He said he was going to be the third best receiver in this class after chase and Pitts, And I disagreed, but statistically in 2021, that's possible. Yeah. Right. And that's what I said. Um, it's definitely possible in this year, but overall I don't see that being the case for me my favorite pick and day three is another wide receiver who's going to be volume base he's going to benefit from there just not being a real uh, other threat outside of aj brown the god and the master of the push off it is uh des fitzpatrick to me uh he's my favorite day three pick uh for fantasy for opportunity uh i know FTP is not the brand for praising opportunity-based players. It's why most of us are off of Hawkinson. It's it's like we want the path to the one spot, right? That's something Jacob says all the time. It's something I've adopted uh, specifically. Uh, you don't want necessarily want that volume-based guy, but at the same time, you're picking this guy up in the late third rounds of fantasy drafts, sometimes in the fourth round where I got him today. Uh, I like that spot for him. He can develop into something more. Uh, He could definitely be a cheaper Corey Davis for what they did last year. Obviously, new OC. We don't know what they're going to do. Maybe throw the ball more. 
Um, but honestly, Khalif Raymond's not it. So his biggest competition to 80 targets is Josh Reynolds. Which hey, what about the Ferk Daddy? No. Okay, his biggest competition is 75 <laughs> targets. Yeah, like I definitely think I God definitely think he's got the op- daddy. <laughs> I definitely think there's an opportunity for Patrick to contribute a couple of weeks this season and then grow beyond yeah. that. So that was it. That's our favorite day one, day two, and day three picks for both fantasy and the RL football world. I want to talk about something that's been bothering me and it's draft trends. So rookie draft trends happening right now that is driving us nuts for one reason or another. I want to start because I think, I think maybe I'm crazy. I've been told I'm crazy in leagues and I'm not the guy that's going to go on Twitter. It's going to go in your league and I'm not going to berate you for who you pick. So just some like uh, fantasy football league etiquette. Don't be that guy. Um, and if you are that guy, you better have a damn good reason for roasting somebody. It'd be like if you took Tony at 105 in a Superflex league, okay, you deserve to get roasted. But like for the most part, I don't you know. Gentleman played Superflex. Hey, well, no, he's probably playing. He had the uh, 103. He he's traded playing, back to he's the playing. Dave Gentleman plays one QB redraft and he doesn't Standard. even go to a flex spot. That's 100%. One QB standard with Four kicker kickers. with kicker bonuses. Yeah. <laughs> he he plays the do you remember? I don't know if you guys played fantasy at a time where the cat like it was like a captain. No. And you get like get extra points and stuff. It was like it was a thing. And yeah, kickers were like would often be the captains because you could like double <laughs> and triple your point. Yeah, it was like a weird, it was a weird time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so don't be that guy. I mean, but I'm going to be this guy a little bit right now. Like a little bit. Stop drafting uh, Michael Carter at 109. Okay? I get it. The 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 need, the the push, the want, the desire for uh, running backs, fine. But just because they're a running back, drafted to a team that doesn't have a stud already, like the Jets, with Tevin Coleman and P. Ryan and uh, Ty Johnson, all three of those guys are going to get more touches than Carter likely will no, without injury. No, Dude, no, P. Don't, Ryan don't will. No, you, you jumped will. the shark. You jumped no, the shark. No. You, were, you were making a good point, and then you no, jumped the shark. You need, no. If I'm taking a guy at 1-9, he had better be the guy. And he's not going to be the guy unless they are – Oh, and 15 and everyone else is hurt. There's no reason why that when they sign Coleman, they can look at him and go, this is a veteran guy. He can get the bulk of the touches until he gets hurt. And they go, well, we have this guy named Ty Johnson. I mean, we're going to use him till he gets hurt. And then, oh, well, uh, P Ryan played pretty okay last year with Gase. So we're going to give him a shot and see what we have. And when then finally, when all of those guys bite the biscuit, Carter will trot himself onto the no, field yeah. and have his job lost by next year. No, this is this to is draft him. Yeah. It's not. At, it's too much. It's too I'm much. With, he's an undersized value, but he's better than those. He's balls. he's an undersized, yeah, under athletic, yeah, limited running back. Yeah, absolutely. he's nothing special, and he brings nothing but a lower age uh, than their current RB room. Whoa, and whoa, whoa! You're drafting no one can him. Tackle him two on one. Oh. Like Tevin, Tevin, Cole, okay. Tevin Coleman's a running backs coach at this point. Like his his hamstring, it's not even like it's not even on the I'm bone. T- 
That that's man why has I said, dirt on every coach in the NFL. That's why I'm <laughs> saying, like, I'm saying it's going to take injuries for Carter to step in and even come remotely close. Like, for to have Michael Carter at 1-9 and then I'm picking up Rondell Moore at 2-4 or Elijah Moore at, like, 2-7 is disgusting. It's gross. It's horrendous. It's horrific, even. So I, I can't do it. Stop. Please stop and just remember... Keyshawn Vaughn last year. Let's just remember him and and link those two things. You don't need to reach for that running back, please. Uh, Billy, your trend. Well, so I put this trend in the show doc, and apparently I'm finding out I play in a lot more casual leagues than a lot of my other uh, my other co-hosts. So my biggest complaint is how much Zach Wilson is falling in these rookie drafts. And this is going to be really funny in about 10 minutes, because me and Jacob are about to argue about my Zach Wilson. But I'm still sitting on the side of Zach Wilson. I've seen go multiple times in the front of the second. That's absolute lunacy. It's absolutely ridiculous for him to fall that far. Falling below people. I've seen him go um, behind the... You just talked about him. Michael Carter? Michael no, Carter. not like the the Jets team. Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. I've seen him go behind Elijah Moore in rookie drafts already, which is, it's just I don't I can't process that a hundred percent. And the brain hurt. It, it's it's this weird trend, and the only reason I have him lower in my rankings is because I really like the other quarterbacks, and if I'm getting one in this draft, I'm moving up for them. Besides the point, we can argue about that later, but. Zach Wilson is 100% a value wherever you can get him. I think he's going to be a decent QB, and he's going to be a starter for the next four years at least. He is a solid player, and Guys, unless he absolutely falls off. We got, we got a question from our boy, Justin Bedard, here. Let's answer yeah, yeah. this question. Justin, is this a super flex pick right here? Because you know that's that's what we do. If this is a super flex pick, it's got to be it's it's got to be Lancer Fields. Like it's who's not, never it's still on the one's left. Whichever yeah. one's left. One hundred percent. Or so, Lawrence. If the, yeah. Well, yeah. If, if your I league mean, mates, if your league mates are treasonous. I've seen it. I, I, there I've, is seen, I've seen. Oh, Rondell Moore. That's the one. I've heard. So I, <laughs> you're a terrible human being. Love I have it. seen I have seen in a super flex rookie draft, I've seen Fields or Lance go one. I've seen Najee go two, and then Lawrence fell to three, and I almost oh, fell over. But if this is a two QB, uh Justin, you are definitely going either Lance or Fields. And if not, I would be thinking of taking uh Harris, Chase Pitts. I would ETN, go Chase Pitts. ETN. Etn well, Chase Pitts. Well, and if you wanted, if you if you're not all the way in on Etn, Williams would totally be acceptable. So is okay. So let us know who you picked. Let us know how it turned out. I'd be very into that. Billy. Uh, oh, he he said, it's yeah, super it's super flex. flex yeah. My bad. Take a quarterback. Lance or Fields. Don't overthink it. Is there. Yeah. Don't, don't overthink it. Um, just Lancer Fields. All right, yeah. Justin. Let us know how you did, buddy. Uh, carry on, Billy. No, I, that was the end of it. Zach Wilson is the number two pick in the draft. He should be going in the first round of rookie drafts. He's a I don't see a reason why he's not. Yeah. Like he's a quarterback it's, and yeah, super flex. And, and while I was having this conversation pre-show, uh, my league mates who are in a bunch more better leagues than me apparently uh, were telling me they were seeing him go 107, 108. Yeah. St- still, I Which think might- he's – 
to me, that's still too late, but at least you can make a case for it. Uh, Jacob, the trend you are not liking right now in rookie drafts. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to not do the one I talked about on the show sheet. Um, oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Like you're throwing uh, Barry so, Zito curveballs live on air. Absolutely. Like uh, I didn't approve I just this. want to comment on, on your two, because I think that there's a similar theme to Zach Wilson falling too far. Michael Carter going too early. Um, here, here's a stat for you. So for anyone that's read any of my writing, I talk a lot about PAR points above replacement and the idea that you need to be able to sort of be in the top 20% of points above replacement to have an outsized impact on winning or losing your fantasy league. Right. If you're if you're not one of the top twenty percent, we got you just above replacement. So then you're you're not really contributing anything. Those other guys, the other eighty percent of the points above replacement, and then everyone below replacement are all kind of the same dude in terms of whether you're actually going to be a league champion. There's only four players in the last five years that have been in that top twenty percent that were selected yeah. in a rookie draft. That's it. Four players over the last five years. It's probably not going to happen. So. The idea that people are trying to fill holes in the rookie draft is the wrong way to approach your rookie draft. If you have a hole at RB2, yeah. Michael Carter is not the answer for you. Like Michael Carter is probably going to be a serviceable flex play this year, in my opinion. I think that he is the best running back on that team. I think you'll be able to get usable games from him this year for sure. But the upside isn't there. He's still an unathletic, undersized pass-catching running back. That's a satellite running back. He's a guy that's going to be a flex player for you. He's not a stud. He's not a difference maker. And with Zach Wilson, right? you always get these people that they have their two quarterbacks, and they're like, well, I don't need a quarterback, so I, I need a wide receiver. I need a running back. No, you're playing in a super flex format. Zach Wilson was the number two pick. You don't, If you don't think he's good, you could be wrong. I didn't think Justin Herbert was going to be good last year, but if he slid to me at the late first, early second, I was smashing that every single time because you don't know. Maybe Zach Wilson's awesome. They're building him an offensive line. They're getting him weapons. They're drafting yeah. him Michael Carter's. So, you know, it's going to be okay. Literally, they drafted two guys named Michael Carter. Anyway, yep. so. And the second um, one was named Michael Carter the second, which is just exactly. the best. Yeah. So they they got to make a deal with Duke and get Michael Carter the third. Anyhow, uh, so my guy in a similar vein is, of course, Travis Etienne. It is astounding to me that he is falling down draft boards. I saw NFL.com. Released oh, yeah. their fantasy rankings today. One QB. One QB. They had him seventh. They had him behind Trevor Lawrence, who's a quarterback in one QB. They had him behind Devontae Smith. They had him behind Najee and Javante Williams, Kyle Pitts, all these guys. I think it is, frankly, unacceptable to have him lower than fourth, maybe fifth. Right now, to me, he's, he's right there with Chase and Pitts as one of the three guys that I would be considering with a 101. And I would have him over Najee Harris. If you want to have Najee Harris over him, I won't totally kill you for it. But here's here's why I don't. Najee Harris is very much a year one pick. He's going to get volume, and that has yeah. value, right? Even if he's not very efficient with it because of the offensive line, even if he's not as good as you think, he's going to get the volume. Heck, Trent Richardson was an RB1 his first season with the Cleveland Browns. Yep. So that's fair. But he's going into one of the worst setups for fantasy production possible. Ben Roethlisberger is a million years old. His elbow is strung together by duct tape and glue. Their backup quarterback is Dwayne Haskins, and they have a top five defense in the league. So they're not going to be bad this year. And then Ben's going to either retire or die on the field. And their quarterback next year could very well be Dwayne Haskins. Their offensive yeah. line's dead. They're in cap hell. 
I don't understand the upside. I don't want anything tied to Pittsburgh right now at a premium price. Travis Etienne lands in Jacksonville with a spread offense coach who wants to run up-tempo and said he likes Etienne so much they're going to start him off as the pass-down back, and when he's not playing at running back, they're going to play him at receiver. Yeah. What more do you want? That sounds phenomenal to me. I want a running back who's not going to come off the field. I want running backs who get targets. He, if you look at Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara, those are the guys that don't even need to be on the field more than 50%, 60% of the time to still give you low-end one RB, low end RB1 value at worst. In my opinion, James Robinson was a serviceable running back and not much more. And In my opinion, the Jags selecting a running back round one shows that they think the same thing. Even if yeah. you like James Robinson, even if he does stay involved and still sees a majority of the carries – you're still getting a guy in Etienne who's going to get peppered with targets from Trevor Lawrence in a team that's ascending. I think that that's just such a stronger play going forward. And I'd certainly think if you're drafting wide receivers over Travis Etienne, other than Chase, if you're starting to think about, in my opinion, Williams over Etienne, I just think the upside is much stronger with Travis Etienne, who has the size profile we want, the athletic profile we want, the pass catching profile we want, and he's in an ascending offense. That's what we should be excited about in Dynasty, and I don't understand why we aren't excited about this because, frankly, there's not a lot to get excited about in this rookie class. Yeah, no, totally agree. And like I said with the Najee, I've, I said it, I said it on the on our reaction show that I just think that it's a horrendous spot. I do want to point to things like the NFL.com um, rankings and things like that. I just don't. I think they're out of touch. I think it might be for clicks, and I honestly do believe it is for more casual. I do want to point out, I was listening to this, the morning drive, Solomon Wilcox's show on um, on Sirius, and he was saying that running backs, uh, running backs like Harris and Etienne, they get drafted uh, in the first round uh, because he doesn't like saying that running backs aren't valuable in that spot because of analytics, and that's always everyone's thing is, well, analytics say this, but I disagree. And his argument was Walter Payton. It's like Walter Payton would light up the analytics sheet. Walter Payton was a generational talent. Like playing, he was playing behind the time. Like he was ahead of his time at the position. And he's arguably one of the best football players ever. Of course, he would light up the analytics sheet. Uh, I think there's a bunch of um, misused information out there, which can definitely be here. Um, affecting some of these ranks i know I, we like to think that uh, everyone's a little bit sharper and whatever but there's definitely some influence out there that could definitely affect your uh leagues and i think that uh for the most part the twitter community is great for getting different ideas and bouncing them off of i just i heard that and i was like i gotta talk about it because that is exactly the type of analysis that i just don't advocate for like that's just not a, a sensible argument to me so speaking of ranks are you guys ready for this oh let's throw down you guys are ready i hope i hope the uh I was born ready the people tuning in are ready for this because i as i mentioned before don't have my ranks okay i let these guys do it up they battle it out I did uh, reach out to Ryan Devaney. Sorry if I screwed up that last name. It's kind of what I do. And I am going to use his uh, rankings released today. Uh, he's with Dynasty Nerds, and they are going to be the third-party rank um, if need be. He's going to be the uh, counter-argument, which I am going to present if we find a stalemate or 
anything to that nature. Guys, first up, who is the big mover on Jacob's board? Biggest mover. Who came out of the draft just flying up the ranks from where we had him in the countup? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's not a lot of people that flew up the ranks. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> there's more people that flew down the ranks. But the one guy who flew up the ranks, uh, to me, it's got to be Jalen Waddle, uh, and it's a combination of a few things. I mean, he went he went up at the six overall pick. We started hearing steam that was going to happen in the last few days, and you know, myself as the paragon of objectivity slash professional mock drafter was able to <laughs> nail that pick at six overall, uh, and uh, the others were not. Right, but uh, it's okay. I, I think Waddle was a big mover up. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of him. I thought he had his prospect profile, a lot of holes. But draft capital, right? It's like duct tape. You know, it it, it can fix a lot of holes. <laughs> so, yeah. so all of a sudden, when a guy gets sixth overall, I mean, draft capital is not immunity, but it's certainly opportunity, and it, it helps add context to certain things. Right? He, we haven't really seen a lot of profiles like Waddle get drafted that highly. We've seen a lot of profiles like Smith get drafted highly and like Tony, where it's like nothing, 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 big senior year bump. And then usually it doesn't work out very well. With Waddle, he was actually productive as a freshman, less so as a sophomore, would have had a massive year as a junior, then it got cut down by injury. So it's kind of a black box profile. And for the NFL to validate that, and especially the Dolphins, frankly, who I think are a smart team. Very smart. Like like there's certain teams that, that do things, and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You you can do you. No, I actually I trust the Dolphins. So so for the Dolphins to take Waddle, I I that interests me a little bit more. And then you know a lot of other wide receivers just fell down the board. They either went to situations you don't want, or they went in rounds that you don't want them, or you know they just kind of fell off the face of the earth. So I think Waddle moves up precipitously. He you know he's clearly at least within that second tier of wide receivers now, and and I think he's a fine enough pick at, at the one two turn. Yep, completely agree, Billy. Big riser, big mover, big shaker. Uh, biggest riser, I think, for me is kind of in the same vein as Devonta Smith. Um, I thought there was a real chance Devonta Smith was going to end up potentially tumbling down my rookie rankings. Um, and the whole thing was how well the NFL values that team or values that prospect. And... Um, there was a lot of talk of Devonta Smith falling into the late first round and teams being fearful of that move and drafting this small, lightweight wide receiver. And we saw it be validated. We saw one team move up to get him. We saw a lot of Giants fans putting holes in walls and getting screamed at by what, <laughs> what I believe they is... Got, what do you mean? They got Kadarius Tony. That's who they wanted all along. Yeah. Hi, bitch. But, uh, but oh, yeah, apparently there was a thing... Their, Apparently, sister or wife or whatever. Apparently there was this thing about that pick being validated because the Ravens wanted him and didn't get him. Let me tell you, whoever gave you that info is lying to you. Uh, One <laughs> billion percent. Uh, yeah. I wish I could remember who sent that tweet, but I'm now devoted to finding it because <laughs> hilarious. Carry on, Billy. So that that's my whole point with uh, Devonta Smith is he got validated as a top 10 pick in the NFL. He's going to a rebuilding offense that we we said the same thing about Gardner Minshew last year, which ended up not being good. Is either, he's, he's either going to be very good 
and it's going to be great for Devonta Smith, or he's going to get, or he's going to suck. And Keaton Slovis, Spencer Rattler, is going to go there next year. So yeah. either way, Devonta yeah. Smith is in a good offense that I think is going to produce. And I, I think all in all, regardless, we've seen plenty of NFL wide receivers come out and say Devonta Smith is going to be the best wide receiver in this draft, which at some point I need to put some form of credence into. So yeah, Devonta Smith is kind of climbed up my draft board. Okay. I mean, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from you, but uh, I'm looking at the time and I think it's time to get it. into the, the big point. So we've been discussing in the, uh, company slack uh, what we do and don't like about each other's rankings and you know we decided that maybe it'd be a good opportunity to have this out on air for all of our amusement so gentlemen I'm going to let Billy take the first swing here okay Billy you are going to try to take Jacob's hat um if anyone had missed the festivities over the week, please try to take Jacob's hat. Tell him what you find utterly disgusting about his current rankings. All right. So when we were both go talking about this in the chat and what we hated about each other's ranks, uh, Jacob immediately jumped on two of the bigger discrepancies in between our ranks. That are the fun ones, the early ones, the, the higher rankings. But there was one that stood out to me that I think is absolutely ridiculous, oh. who you're jumping on ahead of them. Oh. And it's Pat fucking Fryermuth. Oh. Like, it, I, so, I get it. I, too, high, I get too high or too low? Too, too high. Too high. Oh. I don't get it. Okay. So, Pat, Pat Fryermuth, I, fine. He played at Penn State. He was a productive tight end. Whatever. He's probably the tight end one in an offense that you already described as not going to move the ball farther than 10 yards down the field, playing next to Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, who are going to take all those PPR points, and you're sitting next to the TikToker himself, Juju Smith-Schuster, who just ran a tackle out of town, and you want to sit here and tell me that the tight end that's going to that team is going to go take anything over? You think he's going to start anything? What what is, I I can't fathom what you think his ceiling is to take him over and I know we're hating on this pick but I think it's hilarious to sit on him on top of Kadarius Tony Nico Collins Amari Rogers Kellen Mond Tylen Wallace Tutu fucking Atwell I hate him with all my life but goddamn to put Pat Fryermuth over a second round wide receiver who's probably going to run the third wide receiver in the Los Angeles Rams offense. I don't get it, Jacob. Give me the Pat Fryer move talk. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like I, I just want to put know. two and two together. Uh, this is also the same guy that called Eric Ebron a clutch play at tight end last year in Pittsburgh. So yeah, and it I was. Think, I yeah. think. I think I'm just. I'm finding why this yeah. is so offensive. But well, Jacob, yeah, because you're, you're a bitter. Because you're a bitter Billy. You're, I don't you're give a, a damn about bitter, Eric Ebron. You're a bitter, oh, you do. Oh. You're a bitter, <laughs> bitter, bitter man. You're a sad. Sad, bitter man. You you sit there I don't own him all anymore. day. Hey, no one owns Eric Ebron. You roster mm. Eric Ebron. Oh, and you sit there man. and you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, Eric Ebron. Oh yeah, he's going to be a good tight end one this year. Let's go, Eric. 
oh, Eric, Eric. And then they, what do they do? They take the fry guy. And you're so mad because your your Abron shares have been crushed into smithereens, and you just you're can't handle right. it. So you exactly would rather why. you would rather lash out at others than accept responsibility for your mistakes. And Pat Fryermuth, like he's a solid tight end prospect. He was productive at Penn State. He had solid market shares across the board. He got second round draft capital. Now I would like athletic testing from Fryermuth. Athleticism. It's usually very indicative, actually, of fantasy upside at tight end, and we weren't able to get that. So I, I wish that we would. If we did, I'd probably have him ranked higher. However, he'd be even higher, Muth. But um, – Oh, God. <laughs> you should lose off that. I'm, 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 here's, here's something to note. Tight ends in rookie drafts do not lose value. They, tight ends are expectations. Because they the have end. no value. Ah, ah, ah. Our expectations of rookie tight ends are so low. They're even lower than my expectations of you on this television show. So, oh. so we, we have such a low bar for tight ends that they can just sit there and not exist. And there's things called Cole Komet fan clubs online after he did nothing. Nothing. He didn't do anything. And people are, are handing over second-round picks for Cole Komet. Adam Troutman. People are, are oh, my God, got to get Adam Troutman. What did he do? Nothing. And and Fryermuth is a superior prospect to both Cole Komet and Adam Troutman. He just happened to be in a class with a demigod in Kyle Pitts. However, yeah. as a paragon of objectivity, I can sift through that noise. I can see that Pat Fryermuth is a very strong tight end prospect. He's far and away the tight end two in this class. And what, I'm going to take him over Kadarius. Kadarius Tony is terrible. Like, he has almost no shot to succeed in the NFL based on his stat score. The most, like, J.J. Zacharyson has been charting this for a long time. J.J. the god Zacharyson. The best wide receiver drafted in the first round with a negative stat score in his model, Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn. So that's the ceiling. I can either have Ted Ginn as a ceiling or I can take Pat Farmer. I can go for Tutu Atwell, who can't ride Space Mountain. And by the way, I'm a toother, but I, I, I'll i take Pat Fryermuth. I'm going to have, uh, what's what's his face? Who's the other one you brought up? Uh, Nico Collins. Like, Nico Collins, he's going to be catching balls from who? Tyrod Taylor? Davis Mills? He's, he's a senior declarer who's never had a 30% market share in his life playing for Michigan. And he's going to the Houston Texans, who, in my opinion, are at legitimate risk of being relegated to the XFL. So I will be taking Pratt Firemuth because at least I know the Steelers will remain part of the National Football League. All right. First off, let's not diss the XFL. You know he's getting shipped to the CFL. Okay? Let's not right. take shots at the XFL. Tom, before you come in, I just have a simple question for Jacob. What is your dynasty ranking on Pat Firemuth? Where where do you think he falls? For like tight end? Yeah. Oh man, I haven't done it overall, but he's probably going to be somewhere in like the 10 to 15 zone. Okay, so here's here's tight ends I care about, right? So we have we have like like Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, and Pitts. Okay, that's the elite tier. Then we have you know the Hawkinson, Fant, Andrews, Goddard tier, and then I don't care. Like if you want to tell me you have Pat Firemuth at nine, I'm not really gonna be upset about it. You guys are killing me. All right, that's you all guys, I needed. You guys oh, are. Juju's ab- gone next year. Juju is gonna be gone. Oh, Juju's gonna be gone. And then it's just him and Drop King and Claypool. Who's King. And you know, you know who targets oh tight ends a lot? Dwayne Haskins. Oh boy. <laughs> oh thank God. The heir apparent. Wow. I the took fire booth at the 2.7 in a tight end premium draft in a rookie hey, draft. It must have I, angered the crap out of you, Billy. <laughs> I think right. speaking of tight ends from this class, is anyone as surprised as I am that Brevin fell as far as he did? 
his whole yeah, thing was, was athletics, and then he tested poorly. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of kind of R.I.P. to him. I'm looking at uh, Hunter Long from this class being a sneaky yeah. play because um, uh, Gaseki sucks. Jacob, what's something from Billy's? By the way, you guys are absolutely killing me here. My stomach hurts from laughing this hard. This is yeah. unbelievable. I was told to come well, to Billy's. Go. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, Billy, look, first of all, I just want to say this is really difficult because Billy's rankings are so atrocious. I don't really know ah. where to start. So I won't even, I won't even talk about because Zach he's Wilson a nerd. First. I won't even talk about Zach Wilson because really that's like a one player gap to me. I, I think it's irresponsible to have Zach Wilson outside of that top nine. I, I think he should be ahead of Javante Smith. I think he should be ahead of Javante Williams or just anyone whose name, you know, rhymes with Ante. But um, I'll go a little bit down the board. Billy, I've said this before, you play fantasy football like a man without a hat. You do the safety mm. dance. And to me, this is this is your most risk-averse choice is Trey Sermon. You know, you have something against the Mormons, clearly, because he ranked Zach Wilson too low, and then you ranked a guy named Sermon too low. But Trey Sermon oh, is all the way down here at pick 21, 2.9. And I, I originally was excited to fade Trey Sermon when I saw that he got drafted by the San Francisco 49ers because I thought he was going to get fully Keyshawn Vaughn. I thought he was going to be going 1.9, 1.10. And maybe in some drafts he is, but in most drafts, seems like he's going at the 2-3, 2-4. And that's very reasonable. But what's a, well, How are leagues won? Are leagues won with, let's see here. Let's pull up these rankings. Well, is, is, uh, is Michael Carter going to win a league? Absolutely not. Like I said, I have everyone charted between 2010 and 2020 of running backs drafted in the first three rounds, and I know Carter wasn't, so maybe, maybe that's his secret sauce is that he's actually worse. And the only one who ever posted an RB1 season with similar size and athleticism to Carter is Giovanni Bernard. So that's your ceiling. Good luck Good luck chasing the Giovanni Bernard ceiling. And then you have Kadarius Tony. You have Amari Rogers, who's like at best maybe is like a Debo Samuel type you know, catching passes from Jordan Love. No, Trey Sermon is going to a, a, a surefire top 10 offense. He's going to a rushing offense that churns out top 24 running back performances like they're butter in the age of the pioneers. And he's get, he's coming in with almost no competition. Raheem Mostert, like, yeah. I don't understand why people still say the name Raheem Mostert. I'm so over Raheem Mostert. He played 50% of snaps or more last year once. It was week one, and then he disappeared off the face of the earth. We, we've had enough of Raheem Mostert. Then there's Jeff Wilson, who is an undrafted free agent. He looks kind of good for a couple of games. Whatever. It's not that imposing. Wayne Gallman, who I love personally, but the Giants thought Wayne Gallman was so good they had to pay Devontae Booker $6 million to kick Wayne Gallman off their team. And then they check Elijah Mitchell, who, you know, I kind of like, whatever, in the sixth round. But that none of those guys should scare you. If Trey Sermon is good, and he might be, he has elite burst. He has a relative athletic score in the upper eights out of 10. That's an 89th percentile relative athletic score. And he comes in as a very, very efficient player at Oklahoma and at Ohio State. The concern is he was never able to take a full workhorse role at those places. But what if he can here? We've seen running backs come in that were not necessarily workhorse in college, but they had the prototypical size and athleticism and they had the prototypical production. And that's what Sermon has to me. I'll take a flyer in the mid second any day on Trey Sermon emerging from this crowded muck in San Francisco to become that RB one, because we, we've seen it in this offensive scheme. If someone is able to emerge as the lead workhorse back and people have, they will be crazy productive. And Trey Sermon can win you a fantasy football league. Even if it's not likely, it's possible. 
Um, right. I just want to point out that he definitely has a path because most of it's going to blow a hamstring. Jeff Wilson's going to suck and hasty will not exist. So <laughs> I agree that sermon is definitely in line. Billy, what is the rebuttal here? All right. Uh, just, I want to start off with uh, the words of a very wise man, someone I know very well, someone who I uh, respect their fantasy football takes. Uh, it's the man sitting below me, Jacob Sanderson, uh, who in his own words was hoping Elijah Mitchell is 2017 Aaron Jones and hoping that Trey Sermon is Jamal Williams. So regardless of what we have. Because I'm a paragon of objectivity, I can put my analysis to the side to recognize (laughs) irresponsible rank. Sure, sure. Ride that train. That's what it's like. That's what it's like to be a paragon, Billy. You wouldn't know. You're not a paragon That's fine. That's fine. I just sit here and write my dumb little codes. And the one thing that I know is that no, we didn't care about Trey Sermon five months ago. We didn't. He showed up in the late half of that Ohio State game, and all of a sudden he is a second-round pick. Sure, his athletic measurables look great. So did Kane Nwangu's. He's a fourth-round pick. His athletic measurables look great. It's fine. I don't. His athletics can go off the board. First off, I'm going to say something you said about Jalen Waddle all the time and say, miss me with that San, that San Francisco running back room. I don't care. There's 17 dudes, and all of them are Jags. I don't care. They're all guys. So go ahead and put Trey Sermon up four spots higher than I want him. I don't think he the, – the only way Trey Sermon has an interesting fantasy impact, the way I see it, is if he pulls a Legarrette Blunt and runs for 18 touchdowns, is that possible? Okay, how about this? How about this? He he rushes for 120 yards and one touchdown in week three, and I sell him for a 22 first and a and a 23 second. You you can't use the objectivity and how dumb some fantasy players are as a Not reason to a paragon, I'm the only paragon. My, my my 11 league mates, they're not paragons. They might make a mistake. He's a paragon. He's a so, paragon. So, okay. To 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 like play this game. This is Jacob's argument. Is okay. he wants to draft a player to sell to people because he's yeah. bad and he's going to look good. No, I don't know if he's bad. I he I think he's bad. I'm not sure. There we go. He just agreed that he thinks this late round second RB, this late second round rookie pick is bad. Right, but, he but, said you, have he him, thinks, but you have him ranked against of, of below players that I know are bad. I I have him ranked <laughs> below players who have an opportunity to produce in the top 24 right now. Trey Sermon has that opportunity, but Trey Sermon is also someone you're going to offload for a nothing pick week three. You just said that. Not if you're so, a good fantasy I'm, I'm player. Gonna him, look, here, this is all very interesting because I'm on the clock right now in actually what I consider my most important league, or at least in one of my top three. And I'm deciding between Trey Sermon and Terrace Marshall right now because no one's offered me a trade offer. And that includes I, Tom, by the way. He's in this league. Oh, what, league, are, what league is this? This is Top Gun. Oh, okay. And I'm, I'm here at the 2-3. I was hoping to get Rondale Moore or, or Rashad Bateman. They're gone. So I'm looking at Michael Carter, Trey Sermon, Terrace Marshall. And uh, I was leaning Terrace Marshall, but Billy is – is hated on Trey Sermon so much that I kind of want to just do it live on air. I would do take Terrace Marshall right hands now. Down. So here, here is my do thing. sermon right now. Is when I when I'm grabbing players, I want Wait, players who I'll have. Tra- 
I will offer you Tony Pollard for this pick. No, I, no. Okay, well, okay. Hey, I, hey, I got to try while we're live on air. Hey. <laughs> to be fair, I also wouldn't take Tony Pollard for that pick. Yeah, I just took Tony And I love Pollard. You're going to love him when he takes Zeke job in week five because Zeke is washed. Yeah, then I'll sell him for a 2023 first. And we're, we're all back in the same place. Hey. So, besides the point, Trey Sermon is absolutely this player who has a potential to look great his first couple weeks of the year. But I don't I don't care about that San Francisco backfield. Oh, they you have took s- Marshall, you bum. You're yes. a bum. You're a coward. Well, look, You're not a paragon. You want to know what I did? If if Matty B's in the chat, uh actually I hope he's not, because I, I don't want I don't want to be exposed. But uh look, if you're at the two three, here's a little tip, okay? This is the tip from the Paragon. If you're if you're ever at the two three or any pick, and then you look and you see the person behind you has one of the two players you're considering as their profile photo, you take that player. That's what you do. You take that yeah. player, and then you yeah. go to the next player and you say, "Hey, guy with Terrace Marshall is your profile photo. What do you want to give you this?" So the funny thing is, is <laughs> the thing about that advice, not to get too far off track, is that uh, Brian Devaney and I were in a draft, and we were drafting uh, just a couple picks apart. And I remember him posting that same picture of uh, where I sent to you that I saw Bateman in twelve, and I thought it was DJ Moore, and I got expletive. Right. Um, so. Uh, I was like, okay, he was on the clock and I saw him trying to trade up before. I was like, I got to take Bateman right now. So if you do know your league mates like that, that's very smart. And I'll give you a pass for not defending your take by picking your uh, the guy here. So anyway, I, I'm going to run this off the rails real quick because we were never we're, on the rails. We're, 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 we're running long. So just to kind of take this away long. and, and look at this objectively. (laughs) Good job, Christian. Regardless of what I can't fault. I can't fault you there, Christian. I can't, I can't fault either of you. Regardless of what this is, Trey Sermon has an opportunity to be an RB2 year one. I have no faith in him beyond that, unless all of a sudden Kyle Shanahan decides he wants to run a single running back system. And he's not going to do that. There's no, so, there's no team in the NFL that runs a single back, uh, single running back. Uh, you're right, pretty much. And that's why I pick talented players who can produce in a committee. And I don't think that's Trey Sermon. Yeah, Kadarius Tony, get him on that roster. So with yeah, that, jam him in. That's my final take, Tom. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, just jam him in. Oh my God. So for just to be objective here and to add a third party into this argument, I'm looking at, uh, again, Ryan's rankings. I trust Ryan a lot. He's a fellow nerd. Um, as we like to refer to y'all, a dynasty nerds, uh, writer for them. He has, uh, Ooh, where is it? I just had it. My fault. Sorry, everyone. Trey sermon at the RB four, uh, at Superflex pick 207. So kind of splitting the difference uh, in between you guys. But after yeah. that is Pat Fiermuth, who he has his tight end two, Kadarius Tony, uh, Michael Carter, and Ramadre Stevenson. So Whew. that is what it is. Um, yeah, got great arguments here. I love this. So I, I'm going to pitch an idea here. Why don't we... Uh, go to church on rankings uh, leading up to week one here, because this has been, uh, I don't remember laughing this hard uh, in a long time. And that was, 
special. <laughs> I've never seen Feisty Billy before, but I'm into it. We're going to miss you next week. Yeah. Um, Sadly, gotta gotta go get a degree or something. Yeah. Ugh. Smart people. For one more time, uh, next week we are going to be joined by uh, the goat himself, Dave Kluge. We have a big announcement for that show. Um, not that Dave is not a big announcement. <laughs> But we have a big announcement uh, for next show, and we are hoping to line up a few more. Girthy announcement. <laughs> Some would say Girthy it's FF. a, a gir- Oh, God. Foot fetish FF. Um, oh, God. Now that's... Ugh. Girthy yeah. FF is available on Twitter if anyone uh, wants that. You had better change it right now. I am right, staying as Big Billy. Right now. No. Big no, gotta be Garthy. Garthy Billy. That, that's so funny. So for one more time, uh, for people who missed it, Dave Kluge is joining us next week. Don't miss it. Billy will be off graduating, doing big, smart Woo! guy stuff. Final thoughts as we wrap it up, Jacob. I'll start with you. Look, uh, I'll give one one little bonus shout out to a guy that Billy and I spend more time talking about than pretty much anyone on the Twitter app uh, or Twitter.com. You know, if you're an old person who sees a laptop, like Tom. Um, Tutu Atwell, I, uh, I started a movement. It's called the Toother Movement. That's T-U capital, T-H-E-R, hashtag Toother. And here's the thing about Tutu Atwell. If, you know, you are, as I am, a paragon of objectivity, you will look at Tutu Atwell's profile and you'll see that he produced majorly as a sophomore. He's a freshman breakout. He's an early declare. He got a round two capital. Yeah, it's the Rams, but it's still round two capital. He's everything that we want. He's just a very small person. And I respect the smalls. I respect small people everywhere, both in real life and in fantasy. And so if you're on the clock in the fourth round of your rookie draft and Tutu Atwell is there <laughs> and Tutu Atwell is still there at the next pick, you have made a mistake and you are banished from the toother movement. Also, uh, find me on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB. For all your toother needs and updates. Billy, final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, if you want to do what Jacob described for Trey Sermon, if you want to do that in another option, Amari Rodgers is going to be a phenomenal choice if when, Aaron Rodgers stays. When Aaron Rodgers gets shipped out, he's going to be uh, dirt. So, e, e. better. Most third-round picks are dirt anyway. Fair enough. And uh, because I run the show, I just want to remind oh everyone uh, of this very important, urgent message currently scrolling across your screen. Let's not forget this. It is the Sam Darnold QB1 oh season incoming. I run things here. Never forget it. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us here. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Big ouch. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, joining us. It's been a great time. My only thing is, guys, there's going to be a lot of heated debates. There's going to be a lot of heated conversations in leagues right now. Uh, be kind to each other, right? Well, FTP has always been about that. Just be kind to each other. Remember that we're all playing a game, right? I think it's important to keep that in perspective. Uh, attacking people online and and arguing on Twitter and it just it's not a good look for anyone. So keep that in mind while you're going through this. We're all playing a game. And in the end, the results are going to play out and we'll find out who's right. 
and Ronk. Remember, there can only be 12 wide receiver ones. Everything else is just going to www.imright.com and shoving those stats down everyone's throat until someone gets lucky and ends up being right once. So just be kind to each other and make sure to tune in next week when we're joined by Dave Kluge. Guys, that's going to be it for us here at FTP. We ran a little late, but you know what? We're just having so much fun. We couldn't help it. So from me, that's Thomas Tipple FF from Big Sexy Girthy Billy FF over here. <laughs> and from the uh, hashtag Toother FF underscore RTDB, you have a great night. And I want you to always remember this most important thing. Good night, everybody. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose.